Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right. Show of hands, people. Who wants a big old gigantic dose of the Utah Jazz? Jazz, jazz, and more jazz. Nonstop jazz. The scrimmages start this week, Thursday and Saturday, and another one a week from today and Monday. So three scrimmages, and then into the eight regular season games, and then into the playoffs. I'm actually of the opinion that we're going to see a pretty high caliber of basketball pretty quickly, assuming star players don't get hurt. Okay, let's throw that out there, right? But if you get... They're getting a lot of practices in to the point the Jazz are canceling some practices. So you know Quinn thinks, okay, they're in pretty good shape. They've had enough. If he's canceling practices, I mean, they're in the bubble. They got nothing else to do. They got nothing to do. And he's canceling practices. They're going to get three scrimmages. Then the eight regular season games into the playoffs. I think the rust ought to be off. I think, I think the playoff basketball ought to be pretty good. I think the regular season basketball could be pretty good. And I got to say, I wasn't sure of that a month ago. But Knowing how long they've been down there, hearing the guys talk, and seeing the Quinn has canceled some practices, it ought to be it ought to be pretty good. All right, for a big dose of Quinn Snyder, uh, he spoke with the media on Friday and started out talking about Justin Wright Foreman and his apology. Uh, we will get to that coming up. If you aren't familiar with this, um, you know Nick Cannon had his tweets and then he lost one of his multiple jobs over it. Kept one, I think, but lost one. And then Justin Wright Foreman tweeted in support of it and then apologized in his Friday media availability. Quinn went first. We'll let you listen to Quinn first. Before we get going, Madeline, um, just wanted to share, you know, last night the uh, the NBA head coaches uh, had a meeting, which we've been doing frequently. And really the, the topic of that meeting uh, was not COVID, was not the bubble, was not basketball but it was a topic that's far more important. And it was social justice and, and racism. And throughout the time that we've been here, this has been you know, a topic of discussion before and it will continue to be, but there's a, a resolve to keep this um, issue and conversation alive and in our minds. And I just wanted to show you the Equal Justice Initiative um, gave us all a calendar. We passed it out to, to our players as it's been happening across the league. And, and the calendar essentially throughout our history as a country gives us an example historically that has occurred on a given day. And today, July 17th, uh, there was a study publish, published by the Harvard uh, Project talking about, the Harvard Civil Rights Project, excuse me, talking about a study that they had done that showed that in the year 2000, the study was published in 2001, in the year 2000, there was uh, more desegregation in our schools than there was in the year 1970. And that was before the desegregation efforts began with the schools before busing. So this is something that I think is a reference point for all of us. And it gives us a sense of, you know, the historical problem that we're facing and the urgency that we we're, we're faced with and hopefully you know when this next study is published in, in the year whenever um, every year we make progress on these areas and, and I think again you know the time that we're ha- we're having here together um, that's an opportunity that we all have to continue to discuss these things and talk about them um, and not run from them. Okay, thanks, Coach. Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into questions now. Uh, first question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Q. Good to see you. Hey, Eric. 
Uh, so obviously the tweet from Justin has been in the news um, and, and just kind of following up on what you, on what you opened up with, have, right. what has, what kind of conversation have you had with him regarding, you know, uh, regarding issues right. such as this, right. and, you know, in, in reference to the tweet that he, uh, that he retweeted. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked to him. I've talked to him. I think he's very aware, um, painfully aware that, that he made a mistake. And I think it's something that he's remorseful about. Um, it won't happen again. And again, the, the issue of education for all of us is, is paramount and in the forefront of our minds. And I know it is Justin's as well. Okay. Thank you. Next question will be from Tony Jones, the athletic. Hey, Coach, how you doing? Uh, Donovan said that he, uh, upon the restart, wanted to be a more willing passer. Uh, what are what are some of the things uh, that he that you would like to see from him in terms of uh, reading plays as they are happening in re real time, um, creating the best shot for himself and, and for others, and and is there anything incumbent on his teammates uh, to, to make shots um, to, to facilitate um, being more willing as a pastor? I, I think um, we can differentiate between someone um, who's not looking to pass and someone um, that might miss a read. And I think in Donovan's case, the, the thing we've talked about the most is, is him being a creator. And there's things that, you know, we can do as a coaching staff um, to help connect those guys. And there's some adjustment that we've tried to make um, that make those passes easier. There's things defenses have done. Um, we lived on the high passes, we've called it. You know, Rudy broke the league record for dunks this year or last year. And the, the way that we've been played this year requires adjustment. And there's still opportunities to make plays. Um, but particularly for young players, that both Rudy and, and Donovan are learning, you know, every game, you know, every practice, how to play better together. Um, but that, it's not just Rudy and Donovan. That, that's really, that's our whole team. And so things as nuanced as angles and timing, location of screens. I mean, everything from personnel to spacing, you know, to the angle of the screen, to the location of the screen, those things all matter. And that's a process to help guys understand that. Um, and once they understand it, um, they have to master it. And then to execute it in a game, it, you know, we can't just take that for granted. So um, in Donovan's case, you know, I feel great about um, what he's doing and what he's doing with Rudy um, and with Mike, um, with Joe, you know, all the guys on our team. We've got an unbelievably unselfish team. And, you know, you're, you're playing another team and they're trying to take things away from you. Um, you know, and that's when it's even more important uh, to stay connected. And but what you do offensively and how you execute, you know, that keeps you connected. So it's it has nothing to do with really a willingness as, it mu as much as it has to do with execution and something we're going to continue to work on. All right. Next question. Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Hey, Coach, with Boyan Bogdanovich out now, what have you noticed as far as what you have to do to work around that absence? And then with new guys like Mike and Jordan, having never used them really without Boyan, are you finding new opportunities to use them in different ways? Yeah, you know, it's, it's certainly um, not having Boyan 
you know, it, it hurts. Um, but at the same time, you know, we've got some really good players that, that are capable of making plays. And you mentioned Jordan. You mentioned Mike. We've talked about Donovan. Um, we need everybody. Royce O'Neal, George Yang. We, we need guys to be aggressive, aggressive early in the clock. Um, those are shots that we, we want to take. Um, they were shots we wanted Boyan to take, and he did. So absorbing, you know, the number of threes I think is important. And, you know, w- when you say, you know, Mike and Jordan are new, I, I think we're all new right now. And we're a new group because we have kind of a, a temporary core, so to speak. But that group, you know, the connectivity that they've had really since um, we traded for Jordan. Um, and then, you know, when Mike came back from, from injury, I think Mike began to kind of find a groove um, with his new teammates. And, you know, you can't overstate um, the importance of that. So now, now those guys, they've all played together. Um, they're playing in some slightly different situations and, uh, you know, we want them all to be aggressive. Okay. Last question will be from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. wanted to ask kind of, as you reflected on what happened in the first few games, or I guess first several games of the season, the first 60 games, et cetera. Um, what, what did you Sorry, Andy, realize we... about what's that? Couldn't hear you for a second. I think you cut okay. out. Just wanted to, uh, as you reflected on what happened at the first part of the season, what did you, uh, what did you kind of take away from? The, what were your biggest takeaways as far as things you can maybe improve on uh, when you, you know, get into these last eight games of the playoffs? And kind of, what are the things that you you think you can build on as as positives from your early play? Well, there, there's a lot. You know, I think for us, um, the, the, the early part of the season in particular. Um, was a process of trying to get to know one another and get to know different different combinations. Um, I know for myself, um, there's a fair amount of adjustments that need to be made, and then you need to adjust on your adjustments if that's um, if that's necessary. So, I think our team um, over time really began to to feel you know, how we play together and how we want to play. Um, and that that's the situation we're in now. We have to kind of adjust to not having Boyan, um, adapt, you know, to the situation we're in here and in, in the many levels. But I think specifically we have to be better containing the ball. Um, that's something that, you know, has been a real point of emphasis. Um, I, th- I think we have to be really aggressive shooting the ball. You know, our guys are unselfish and they're trying to attack the paint and get the rim. And we really want that. But if we get open looks early in possession, um, you know, it's important for us to, to take those shots. I think Rudy um, and his ability to run and stretch the floor is something that can make him unique. And that really impacts the game for all of us. So there, there's a lot of little things. And, you know, I think the challenge for us as a staff is you have an opportunity to, to watch film, um, to make those assessments you know, similar to what you would do in a summer. Um, but by the same token, you know, this is the same team. The, the, the roster hasn't changed, obviously, Boyan being out. But so the, you have to be careful trying to adjust too much, um, I think, because there's only so much that a group can absorb in a short period of time. Okay, there's Quinn Snyder. Now here's Justin Wright Foreman with his apology. And you'll hear there are a couple follow-up questions to try to dig a little deeper. And, and they are going anywhere. Uh, you know, when you're apologizing – I. 
I mean, on the one hand, I want them to, but I also get that when you're apologizing, you start trying to explain, then people don't think you're really apologizing. Uh, you'll hear he pretty much, you know, sticks to the line uh, in his uh, rather short media availability here, about three and a half minutes or so. All right. So uh, I know you wanted to open up with some remarks, so we'll do that. And then after that, we'll go into questions. OK, so you have the floor. First and foremost, I would like to apologize for my retweet. Uh, I wasn't educated enough on the topic. And therefore, I just wanted to say that I apologize. I did not mean to uh, offend anybody. And those are not my beliefs and values. And I just want to once again say I apologize. All right, thank you. Um, we can go ahead and go into questions. Please raise your hand if you'd like to ask a question. Okay, first question will be from Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Justin, wanted to ask you about, given that Martin Schiller is moving on to a job in Europe, just kind of what he did for you, playing for him and uh, you know, with the Stars. Uh, I think he did a terrific job, and I would like to say, like, I'm so happy to have him. I have had him as a coach, and for him to believe in me and the team the way he did, and to allow us to, you know, beat us and let us play our games. And and I just want to thank him for everything he's done for me, especially like personally with all the talks that we had. And I just want to wish him the best. Okay, great. Next question will be from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey Justin, I just uh, I just wanted to follow up on on the retweet situation. Can you just um, can you just explain to us what what you were thinking when you retweeted that? Uh, you know, just what your what your intention was. Uh, again, I didn't have any uh, knowledge about the actual retweet. So, like I said, I just wanted to apologize to every, uh, anybody. I didn't mean to offend anybody at all. That's not me. And uh, like again, like I said, I apologize. All right, uh, we have a question from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Hey, Justin. So when you say that you weren't uh, aware about the situation, does that mean you, you weren't aware of what Cannon had said? Uh, I wasn't uh, knowledgeable of what he had said or what he meant by it. So I guess like I was scrolling in. It was by accident, and I apologize. Like I said, I didn't mean to offend anybody by the tweet. I didn't mean to make anybody feel any type of way, and I apologize again. Okay, we have one more question. This is from Ben Anderson, KSL Sports. Hey, Justin, with this kind of being the first extended period you've spent with the team on the road. Are you getting a sense of kind of this different spotlight and the different lifestyle that comes with being an NBA player? Uh, absolutely. Um, it definitely has its benefits and I've been learning a lot from the guys. Um, practice has been going very well. Uh, definitely taking what I can and learning and trying to translate all that stuff into my game from guys like Mike Donovan, uh, talking to Royce, Ed, like just everybody, even some of uh, even the rookies, I'm learning from them as well. So. It's been, it's been an amazing experience uh, here in the bubble, and um, I'm just looking forward to just keep doing what I need to do to help the team both on and off the court. All right, there is Justin Wright Foreman. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Ingles. Uh, Joe in fine form. <laughs> Joe's hilarious. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time now to hear from Joe Ingalls, the man, the myth, the legend. He had a media availability, talked for about nine minutes. Headband Joe is back, and he's pretty funny about it. Gets a shot in at Dennis Lindsay. Um, says he'll never do it, except that he might, and he'll explain the conditions. He did take a couple serious questions. Oh, he also jams up David Locke, so listen for that. You can, you can tell that's a favorite pastime. And it's happened before. Locke doesn't even blink. Locke just takes it, keeps going. And he's, he totally expected it. And then uh, Joe also does talk about bringing his family into the bubble, which, you know, it's a long time to be gone. Bringing him in has its risks. It has its upside. It has its downside. Except his wife is pregnant and his son has autism. So there's more risk for him than there might be for some other players. Although, you know, we don't know everybody's story. There might be risk for other players, too. Uh, but Joe, on a wide range of topics, here he is. You know, awards, campaigns. You know, are over. You know, basically with these last games, do you feel like you know your teammate Rudy Gobert has done enough? You know, to win Defensive Player of the Year again this year? Uh, I didn't know they said that, but thanks for informing me. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would hope so. <laughs> um, I think for the last few years, he, he's obviously been in that top one, two, three, first last couple of years, but in that 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 top echelon for for a while now. So. Um, I think everyone in the in the league and our team and, and our organization know how important he is for our for our team defensively um, and, and what he does. Um, do I think he's the best defender in the league? Absolutely. Uh, I think he protects the rim. Um, he obviously plays pick, uh, the, the pick and roll defense we want. He can be up. He can be back. Um, and he, he's probably uh, I don't know what the numbers say, but, but in my my mind, he's he's one of the best rim protectors too. So. Um, yeah, I would I would hope that he's either going to win it. Um, I'm sure for himself, he wants to, to to win it for that recognition. But um, regardless, if he doesn't, we we know what what we think of him and, and how much he he means to our team. Okay, great. Next will be um, a question from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Joe. So there was another uh, league memo that came out saying that over these first three days of scrimmages that are coming up, that teams would only be playing 10-minute quarters. Uh, just given that you guys will be playing two of those games, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Would you – do you like that they're starting off slower? Would you rather have them more closely mimic what the actual games are going to be? What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> it would just be uh, even more like a, a FIBA or Olympic tournament than, where, than it already is. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't – it doesn't kind of bother me. Obviously, what we 10, 12, 20, whatever we're doing, uh, obviously, we've got um, a, a, a style we want to play. Um, we've been playing all kinds of different minutes and times and all that, um, obviously, now at practice and stuff. So, um, yeah, whatever whatever they want to do. I've played 10 minute quarters a lot in my life. So, um, for me, it won't be, be too different. It'll be like, be like walking around here. Um, I was saying the other day, it's like a, a big kind of international tournament, staying with the same teams and and doing all that. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't mind what the what the decision is on that. 
Next, we have a question from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Hey, Joe, um, you know, the, continuing on, on that theme, what do you guys hope to accomplish um, in your scrimmages, especially the, leading up to the, to, the, to the regular season? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the most obvious one is just, just getting out there and playing, um, getting game time, getting through our stuff, the, the new stuff we've put in, getting uh, on, on the same page with, with the old stuff and, and, and how we were already playing. Um, so I think for us, it's just that. Obviously, we, we've played a bit, played a lot here within within the practices, but it's always different when you're playing against your own team, against the guys you, you play with every day. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to, to play someone different. Um, it would be nice. I think we play Phoenix, I think, or some first one. So, it would be nice to get out there against a different group of guys, get through some stuff. Obviously, you find out kind of what's working, what's not. Um, obviously, it's been talked about about Boyan being out, so figuring out different ways we can play without him. Um, and just, yeah, it, it's, a, it's the best way to, to figure out what's working or not. Great. We have a question from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. We know that it's a, a long way out, uh, but did you get a chance before you left to have a conversation with Renee about whether or not um, you would want her to come or her and the kids to come when families are allowed to come to Disney World? Yeah, um, well, we talked about it a lot. Um, we were talking about it two days ago, I think it was like, it's just, um, it's something that's going to be, I guess, continually talked about and um, every option scenario um, thrown out there, obviously we'll, we'll be in the first round. So whether that's an option, uh, <clears throat> Jacob's still, still in therapy every day, Monday to Friday. Um, so he's, that, that's obviously a, a big part and not necessarily wanting to wanting him to, to kind of pull out of school, um, especially with how well he's doing. Not that you guys asked me that, but he's doing really well. Um, so to, to be able to continue that for him um, is kind of my, my number one in importance. And um, obviously I'd love to have him here and have the kids run around and, and be with me and have Renee here. And obviously for me, that's, that's normal to have my, my family with me. So um, it's something that we'll just continually talk about. I still don't think um, it's been exactly clear on how many, how many rooms or people are in, and all that. So um, yeah, we'll just keep talking about it. I mean, off the top of my head, um, I wouldn't say for the first round, but, but maybe the longer we stay here, um, yeah, it would just be, I don't know. I don't really have an answer for it, to be honest. It's um, like I said, just something we'll talk about and, and figure out when, when we get the room lists and numbers and people can come, we'll, we'll have a talk about it and figure it out. Right, we have another question from Ryan McDonald, Deseret News. Joe, is, is the headband here to stay? Is it staying? <laughs> I was uh, I was trying to keep my my hair's been so luxurious and long that I was just trying to keep it out of my eyes today. Um, no, it actually started. Well, it obviously started that Memphis thing or whatever. But then one day in the facility, I was wearing it just to be funny because Mike had his on, and I thought me and Mike were shooting on the same day, and I wore it and I shot really well, and then. Dennis Lindsay actually was standing in his um, 
thing that overlooks the, the practice facility and started yelling stuff at me how bad it looks. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep wearing it then if Dennis hates it that much. So um, the chance I, I play in this thing, like actually it's like the first time I've actually been able to see myself. Um, the chance I play in it is very small, but if I play with it in a scrimmage and I play a good game, I can promise you it's here to, <laughs> it'll be here to stay. All right, and our last question will come from David Locke, Jazz Radio. Uh, David Locke is, again, no question. Joe, uh, there's been a lot of talk about you guys picking up the tempo offensively. Uh, Boyan was uh, the one who used the most transition possessions for you this year. What can you do without Boyan to actually pick up the tempo? Uh, Someone else pick up those transition possessions. Um, that might be you a little bit playing differently. That's what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I obviously didn't. I, didn't, I, I wouldn't have known that state about Boyan, but um, yeah, I mean, we've we've we try to, I guess, play that way in, in practice a bit to, to get up and, and push the ball, and um, obviously with the, the kind of the four guy the guards that we're we're going to have out there majority of the time with Rudy or Tony or whoever. Um, everyone can handle, everyone can push, everyone can rebound the ball. So um, point guards to, to kind of quote-unquote four men. Um, we've got a pretty versatile group in, in those those guard spots. So, um, yeah, I think I think for us, pushing the ball and, and shooting early threes, good, good threes, but early threes can be something that we can um, be really effective in because, like I said, with the, that lineup, those lineups, we've got – Pretty uh, pretty consistent shooters kind of throughout. So um, I don't know how many times this season, kind of prior to this, that we were probably all on the same page in the same game and, and all shooting well. Um, I think if we can get to a, a point where we're we're such in in such a good flow and, and everything's free flying and we're all shooting well, I, I think we can be a, a really dangerous team playing like that. Um, so I think it's. I think it's on everyone. I've, I've I've said this a lot, but it's with Boyan now. It's it's not on on me or on Mike or on one person. Um, it's on all of us to, to to take a little bit of of the load that he was carrying and um, and all bring it from this um, kind of from this time on. There is Joe Ingles. When we come back, David Locke with PK and I stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We chatted up David Locke late in the show Friday. He had a lot to get into uh, as we get closer and closer to the start of scrimmages. And he's still got questions, too. Let's get to them right now. David's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you, David James? How are you, Patrick Kinahan? (laughs) Good, man. Good. (laughs) Doing well. All right, so uh, have you got any insight on uh, Zion Williamson leaving the bubble, uh, if he might be back, how much this matters? Obviously, the Jazz in New Orleans played two really competitive games in New Orleans in January, and they split them. 
the Jazz won a game right at the end, and the Pelicans thought they got robbed, and then the Pelicans beat them in overtime. Uh, so what, what do you think when you hear this news with that game now less than two weeks away? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it said he had a severe family issue or significant family issue. I don't remember exactly the wording. And so now he comes back, and if I have it, if it's excused – um, then I believe he has a four-day quarantine yeah. upon coming back. So, um, you know, I guess you can assume he has not. He's not going to do a lot of practicing. So maybe they're going to be, and I would be pretty cautious with him. But they're in quite a tight little race trying to get into that playoff. Um, and you know, and it would be neat for the league if that playoff existed. That's you know, that would be the first time we've ever had anything like that. Um, so. I don't know, you know, anything particular about this, but you can start to do the math on how many practice days he would have, um, and how much he'd be able. You know, if you're quarantined, you're not getting exercise in, so you're pretty quickly you can get to a date where you assume he's not at full strength against the Jazz in that first game. So for several years now, when the Jazz practice or play, you've been there, you've been front and center, and now you're not. Uh, you going through withdrawals? Yeah, it sucks. Thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah, terrible. <laughs> what would you normally find out in one of those practices and know, and you don't know now, and that's what sucks and bugs you? Well, I mean, I'm doing my job, so I think I still know what they're doing because I've been talking to enough people. So um, I think I still have an idea of, of how they're approaching things and what they're doing. Um, but, you know, you just can see – one, you can just see where the emphasis is when you go to practice. Um, the other is there's all sorts of times where Quinn stops practice to, to get into something, and those are the moments where, you know, everything quiets and you listen. And and then, you know, you can also tell kind of Quinn will know who he's going to need. This is maybe more before games sometimes at shoot-around, but you can kind of tell some on some days, like, he'll suddenly be, you know, wildly riding George Niang. And you're like, oh, Quinn knows something about tonight's game that he knows he's going to need George Niang, you know, in some way. I don't know if that's a great example, but you can just see it where his focus is and where the focus is at practice to understand where he thinks things are important and what is important for the upcoming game. You just you obviously can't get that. And then it's just the other is just the the conversation. I mean, whether it's, you know, um, just Rudy walking off and you happen to spend three or four minutes with him or Mike Conley. And sometimes it's about their kids and sometimes it's about golf and sometimes it's about basketball. But those conversations matter pretty important. You know, when you actually then have a question or need something or you see something in practice, um, there can be a moment in practice where, you know, Quinn's working on something and Donovan and Mike huddle up right afterwards and say something. Well, that's pretty, you know, I'll often then go ask Mike or Donovan, like, Hey, I don't know if you remember this, but you know, what did you, what do you guys talk about? Sometimes it's something, but every now and sometimes it's nothing, but every now and then you get a really great nugget. Yeah. Having spent many years out on the road, I always thought on the road was the best place to get information because it's just a more conducive because players don't necessarily have anywhere to go. They're not going home to their kids, their wife, wherever it might be, or meeting somebody for lunch uh, and not having that. I feel your pain. I think that it makes it takes a dent in the coverage as far as the reasoning for not allowing broadcasters there. Do you, did you ever get an explanation? What was the reasoning? Um, I think the reasoning is numbers. It gets pretty big, pretty fast. You know, if they're holding the 36 or whatever it is, um, by the time you add every team's broadcasters, 
um, you know, I think it, it gets fast. TV, they're going to do some great stuff. Um, we were on a call yesterday with the NBA, and I don't know how much I'm, you know, totally allowed to share or not um, from that call. Um, some of it they said specifically is confidential. Um, but they're doing some incredible things. Um, they have 36 mics under the floor for broadcast and four of them on each bucket to, to let you hear the sound of the game in a way that you've never heard it before. Um, I think there was something incredible, and it must have been for the finals game. I didn't quite understand it because I don't understand TV lingo. But of the 36 cameras that will be used maybe for the conference finals and the finals, 30 of them are in positions that have never been used before because there's no fans, so now they can put the camera wherever they want. So from a TV standpoint, um, I actually think they're going to be able to put together some really great broadcasts. Um, from a radio standpoint, we need to revolutionize what we're doing and change it completely and be willing to totally alter what our broadcast is and, and I don't know that we've had enough time to prepare that, but looking, you know, if we're going to do this for longer than this stretch, we need to, we need to rechange, we have to change what a radio broadcast is and, and take it into many different aspects and what it is right now, because this isn't going to work. So is it, is this the new normal? Um, hope not, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, like, I don't know what the, you know, Right. I mean, we don't know. You know, I, I think we'll have fans in stadiums, and so we'll be traveling from sta- stadium to stadium at some point here pretty soon. So um, I would hope that that means that we're back on the road with the team, just with, you know, doing all the things you're supposed to be doing, masking, social distancing. I would guess that our, um, in the, I would think, you know, at some point, maybe our travels restricted upon getting into cities a little bit. Um, but I would hope that we could have a little bit of intelligence as a country and take care of some of these things with some very easy measures and, um, and then get fans back in the building in some level. Um, indoor is probably more difficult than outdoor, but it's a pretty cavernous space. So it's not indoor with reduced um, air. So I would, I would hope that there's, um, I would hope that we have fans back in stadiums, but we've got to just, you know, as my astute um, friend Gordon Monson said, stop being idiots. Just say mask up, David. I've been waiting for you to say it. Mask up. (laughs) That's right. 140 years of doctors wearing masks so they don't breathe in the incision when they're doing surgery and cutting you open. You know, I mean, I've always been mesmerized in my career by the power of marketing and the power of messaging. I mean, I remember even back to like, this is probably a weird analogy, but back to 1320K fan when we first started, I don't know if you recall this, DJ, but we had a phrase that you had to use whenever you mentioned somebody's name. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but this was like our whole marketing thing. So whenever you said Ron Boone, you had to say legend. And whenever you said David James, you had to say our buddy. And when you ever, like every single Tom Nasalki was the coach, like every single person had a phrase that you had to use before their name when we had built 1320K fan. And then we did that for nine months. And then we ran a study 
in which we did a survey of listeners and asked them the first thing they thought of when we said someone's name, and 95% came back with the words we were using. It was incredible. So, like, there's no question that you can just warp people's minds. It's a crazy concept. Um, I just, you know, this is probably, you know, right. Somehow we've warped the minds that somehow what doctors have done for 150 years is somehow now like your freedom. Like, holy smokes. So is calling them an idiot the best way to go about getting them to do at what some you want point, them yes. to do? At some point, at some point, yes. Have you ever done anything that when somebody called you an idiot, did you give in? Um, maybe. <laughs> Good answer. I mean, like, tell me more. Like, tell are, me more. Are we, talk, are we talking about last night at seven o'clock? Last night at four o'clock? <laughs> yesterday morning at ten? Which one? I just don't know that lecturing people is the way to go. No, I, I mean, I agree, but like, no, sure, like, you know, but like, I don't know what you. Yeah, I mean, sure, lecturing doesn't work, but like, there if when your mind's been warped, which is kind of what I'm talking about, like, and it's not always political. I just think like marketing warps minds, right? Like, oh, I gotcha. Just, yeah. Right. Like, I mean, why do we start having Oreos with milk? Because they put it in a commercial, right? Like, I mean, this isn't like yeah. political. This is just the ability to send someone messaging. And so once that messaging is in someone's brain, I don't know what you do to un how, an, you know, you need to be able to, there's probably some science here, right? So if you've hit someone's brain a hundred times in a span of, of you know two weeks with some sort of messaging i don't know what do you have to do hit them 150 times for two weeks the other way and so i don't know that you have the capability of doing that and so the natural instinct on that is to try to do it with 150 times worth of intensity right and so that's where you end up then it gets inflammatory so yeah i mean you know i mean Anytime someone entrenches themselves into anything, whether it's being, you know, for those poor souls that are a Dodger fan, like they've done this to themselves for their whole lives and they won't let it go, even though it's just the most sinful thing you can do in the world is to, be, to like bleed blue. Like, gosh, you'd think they'd see the light, but they don't. Um, so it doesn't matter. You know, it's once you've entrenched yourself, it's it's very hard to move someone for exactly the, I mean, it's really, I think it is like some sort of math question of, of marketing and it's very difficult. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, I am curious, and I think I've hit you up with this before, but now you've had more time to think about it. As uh, as Quinn rearranges the minutes, because Boyan's 30 minutes and 20 points-ish-ish uh, are, are now available, Morgan... Uh, is he going to go down the bench? Are we going to see a lot of these guys? Before you were kind of, you hit on the fly and you were kind of like, mm, Brantley, Juwan Morgan, Jarrell Brantley, they like him, but ask him to deliver in the playoffs is a lot, but it is an unusual opportunity in these eight regular season games. How's that going to work out? Or is it just more time for Royce O'Neal and George Niang and more shots for Joe Ingles and uh, Mike Conley? So I think there's two different answers here. Could you twisted at the end a little bit. So the shots, I think, have to be Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. Jordan Clarkson, a little Joe Ingles, particularly early in the offense. Joe Ingles running to the corner instead of running to get the basketball. Um, Boyan used the most possessions in transition of anybody on our roster. I know it kind of seems funny. People don't think Boyan is a transition player, but he was in Indiana. And he was our most heavy transition player last this year as well. So 
you know, Joe's going to, I think that's Joe's role. Um, and then specifically on Joe, since you guys, you know, love Joe, we all do, but you guys particularly, you know, Joe's game has really changed. He used to take about four to one catch and shoot threes off the bounce threes. And now it's even, he's going to go, he needs to go back to being, you know, four to one, um, catch and shoot threes to off the bounce threes. And that will help his percentage. It will help the team. It's a way you have to replace Boyan's, you know, five or six threes a game. The, in regards to minutes, I think it gets really complicated, David, because Boyan's playing 31 minutes a night. And it's not as though there's a bunch of guys that aren't getting enough minutes. So like, I mean, George is at 14, and I guess you could try to say that George goes to 20. He's only played two games all year where he's played 20 minutes. There's probably, you know, like I love George, but there's probably a little bit of a of a moment where certain matchups work and certain matchups don't. And Quinn's probably protected him quite well, but he played 20 minutes in a 33 point blowout against the Golden State Warriors, and he played 20 minutes in like the third game of the year against the Lakers when Boyan was injured, um, and that's it. He hasn't played 20 minutes in any other game all year. So let's say you even do spike him to 20, which seems to be a lot considering he has not done it in any game all year. You still have 26 minutes to go, right? Boyan's now, now we're still 25, 26 minutes we have to go get. Well, Mike's playing 29. Joe's playing 29. You don't really want them much higher than that, but let's say you give each of them two more. We still got 20 to go. So I, I think you're going to see Emmanuel Moutier playing just kind of a basketball like I don't know what position um, and Royce O'Neal's already playing 30 minutes a night if I'm correct I have to look that up but my memory is he's playing so like Royce isn't going to go suddenly play 40 so it's going to be really interesting to see how they're able to move those minutes along because um, they aren't you know there it isn't as though there's just this natural easy position person that you're bringing in and saying oh well they're you know they've been short 12 minutes a night and so we're just going to go give them 12 minutes a night and that'll start to cover it up and then when you add in the fact that at some point in this process, Mike Conley's leaving for his wife's birth of their third child, then I think you have, um, then you really, then I, then I do think Juwan Morgan and Jarrell Brantley and some other people have to play. Well, I thought Moutier would get a much bigger role at that point too, for however many games Mike misses. Right. Right. But I just had Moutier getting the, um, I just had Moutier getting the minutes for Boyan. Yeah. I want to make sure that Jordan Clarkson stays in the role that he has been in because he's provided a lift. Do you see that happening? I think so. But when Mike leaves, I, um, I would assume so. I mean, there is a part that when Mike leaves, um, then Jordan maybe picks up, goes into the starting lineup. But I, I, I can understand where you're seeing coming from, and I would, I would think that's the likelihood of what happens. Are there any players on this team that feed more or less off the crowd that will be more or less impacted by this, or it's just the same for everybody and they all adapt and they play pickup games and so what? Don't overthink it. Well, I think you can overthink that one. I mean, I think it's pretty fascinating. Um, by the way, I don't know if this is going to work. I love this idea. I believe they have either two or four cameras that the, they've told the players are like fan cams. So, like, if you want to, like, hit a shot and react to the fans, you go to that camera. Like, as a player, so, you know, uh, like, do you want players? Do you, shot. you want players thinking about this stuff in the middle of a game? Well, you want fan interaction. You want a fan experience. They think about it during the game anyway. Um, so, and, and I don't know that... 
I don't know that it's going to feel fanless to the. It's going to feel different, but I don't know how. I think they're doing a lot of things to try to make it feel as though there's some atmosphere in the building. Um, so I just think it's going to be different, and that's where I think it's really hard to like start making projections on what teams going to do. I feel like everything, the margin between teams is pretty slim. And so, because it's a totally different environment than it's been, things are players are going to be reacting differently, teams are going to be reacting differently, and therefore, I think it's really hard to know like where those slim little margins are going to move. I I I, I really am uncomfortable making much of any prediction. The only prediction I'm I'm comfortable with is once it's kind of established what's going on, um, playoff series will be shorter, and. Um, and the favorites will win a lot more. Okay, so that's interesting. Do you have just Charles Barkley that you played earlier this morning, Yak? Give a uh, give. Wait, this. if I'm disagreeing, if I'm disagreeing with Charles, I feel really comfortable. Yeah, that, that's a part of what I wanted to get to. <laughs> if the Portland Trailblazers get in the playoffs, they will beat the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round. Now, Barkley loves to say stuff, and he's shouting there. It almost feels like he knows it's BS when he yells it. But is there anything? I know you believe the NBA is a league of matchups. Is there anything about that matchup that Laker fans should fear? Well, so the concept would be that Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins are back. Um, The Blazers with both of those would be one of the few teams that could be as long as the Lakers. The Lakers are going to be thin fast with – I mean, the Rajon Rondo injury is the best thing that's ever happened to them, and it's going to exist in the first round. And they're just terrible, and Rondo's on the floor. Their assist rate as a team goes, some, it's something crazy. Like, they're like 65% of all field goals are assisted until Rondo's on the floor, and that's like 30%. I mean, he's just terrible. Um, so that, that's a great injury for them. The problem they have as a team is that their best lineups are all with Anthony Davis at the five. Um, though McGee and Howard have been great, like don't misunderstand the value of those minutes they give. But when it's really time, Anthony Davis goes to the five, and LeBron goes to the four. Well, they're now thin. Um, you know they have Contavious Caldwell Pope and Alex Caruso and Danny Green and Kyle Kuzma, and, and they'll. But that's it. Like they, unless I'm forgetting someone, they don't have anything else there. So they have four guys to divide those other minutes out. So they're going to have a hard time getting getting small for long periods of time. And that's the impact of those, those two injuries. And then, you know, obviously we just, it, it doesn't feel at this moment that there's going to be a COVID outbreak. And it does feel at this moment as though the league has done an incredible job of, and everything is heading in the right direction. Um, but if there is some sort of COVID outbreak and they then lose one of those players, then they're even more limited. David, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Nice chatting with you guys today. Good. <laughs> Thanks, PK. You're welcome. Yeah, all right. Hey, PK. But You're an idiot. I know. I was thinking <laughs> that would be the thing when you said the legend – and the buddy, and uh, I would have been the I would have been the idiot if I was doing radio back then. No, I think we would have gone like the bombastic or the caustic or something like that. I prefer lovable, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but the branding has to at least be accurate. Like, you, if you put Oreos in motor oil, that wouldn't have actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would have been about a singing. <laughs> 
as I said, <laughs> Oreos and motor oil, PK singing. All right. Thanks, David. We'll talk to you. See ya. There's David Locke, the radio voice of the jazz, and you will hear the scrimmage uh, Thursday here on The Zone. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.